you. And and you brought me a gift, which is I will cherish, uh, the Jimmy Carter '99 hat. It, it's a cap that I will always love. You've been the chief development officer for estate and gift planning with the Carter Center, and um, you understand the inside workings and the intentions and all the work that's being done over the years. Um, and I have to say, it's such an impressive, impressive organization, and you've helped in so many ways. Uh, with the uh, campaign for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, you raised $400 million. And um, you also raised money, $254 million raised for World Health Organization. And um, so many great things you've done over this time. And you've worked for the Carter Center since 2000. Um, the organization was founded in 1982 by President Jimmy Carter. And we have seen all the amazing work that he's done over the years. It's been such an amazing thing to see how he's turned his life into dedicating how to help people. Uh, now, people have seen, of course, the work he's done with Habitat for Humanity. Some of them have not seen the other work done by the Carter Foundation. And I also want to welcome in the studio Mark Williams, who's the Senior Associate Director of State and um, Planning Fund. So thank you both for coming here. I feel really honored to have you in the studio today. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. Four years was too long on my side. So thank you so much, Cindy. You were, you're based in Atlanta, right? We are, yes. Yep. And um, it's been a very interesting year. <laughs> and, you know, because you know and I know, I mean, everyone thought that when Jimmy went into, as President Carter, went into hospice, that that was going to be pretty much it. But no, um, here we are. So there's a very sweet story behind all of this. Uh, by February of this year, 2023, um, Mrs. Carter had pretty much slipped into a place where she didn't recognize him very much oh. anymore. Wow. Occasionally, but not much. Oh. And uh, he decided the only way he could stay at home so that if she had that moment of lucidity, mm -hmm. he would be there. He was so afraid he might be somewhere else. Wow. So he said, okay, I'm staying home from this point forward. I'm going into hospice at home. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, his brain is just as sharp today as it's ever been. Wow. But he didn't want to leave the, the side of his wife. They've been married wow. 77 years, and they're like one person. And, yeah. and he said, fine, I will go into home hospice. You can't take me out of the house. Uh -huh. So um, he gets to see her all the time. Isn't that an amazing love story? It is. We were talking about the fact for his birthday, I saw the pictures of him going out um, and actually being in the car. Yes. And because it was, a, was it the peanut festival that was happening. Yes, that's right. The peanut, annual peanut festival. And he, he and Rosalind were able to go out in the car together and make an appearance for that, which is almost yes. amazing, miraculously, it, really, showing up that it bad. It is. Um, and I can't even imagine, there's so much love involved, and still, beyond just the love story, there's the operation of everything he dedicated his life towards, and all the workings you've seen. Um, how large is the Carter Foundation? Well, the, the Carter Center, Carter actually. Center. We have 300 people on staff in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We have 3,000 people overseas. We're 
in wow. 70 countries. Really? Mm -hmm. And then we have 450,000 volunteers worldwide. Wow. So it's a good size operation. Yes, it know? is. Yeah. And, and I'm sure as Mark here is going to be very involved in carrying that on, because you've dedicated your life pretty much to it, but come this beginning of this next year, you'll be kind of stepping into these big shoes to fill. Absolutely, and big shoes they are. I've always said it feels very much like standing in the shadow of a giant, um, be that with Barry or, you know, as we look forward to our founders and see all that they have set forth for us in terms of the examples that, you know, they've lived their lives, the, the very faith in front of our eyes. And I think what you'll find, everybody who is there now, we have this this feeling, this sense of urgency, if you will, that, you know, we know we have this wonderful, um, it, it, it's a responsibility to be able to keep their commitments and their promises. It's an obligation, but it's also something that we all take very serious. It's a privilege. Uh, so all of the people there now are looking forward to how do we continue this legacy for them? How do we do it in a way that honors all that they've done before? So very much we're all feeling like we're standing on the shoulders of giants and in the shadows. And I think it's interesting that um, when you're a president, there's so much involved in politics and the spin doctors and what you have to do and what you can't do and how careful you've got to be that I really feel that after Jimmy, President Jimmy Carter left his office, that there was really this amazing opportunity where he could really do what he believed in and what he cared about. And, and it was inspiring. It was so inspiring to so many people in the world. He's very beloved. But, you know, you saw him going to Sunday school, <laughs> teaching Sunday school, which, I mean... I haven't ever seen another president after <laughs> after they retired teaching Sunday school and, and giving all this time for Habitat for Humanity. But then on top of that, um, what was working about really knowing for that experience what was really important for the world, the work that had to be done that you couldn't do if you were president. Am I right on this, Barry, to a degree? Do you, yes, do you absolutely, you're right. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, when he left the White House, he decided that the conversations that started at Camp David between the Israelis and the Egyptians that ultimately led to a peace accord between the two countries that is still in effect today, he wanted to continue those conversations, whether it was between the Israelis and the Egyptians or it was between Hamas and Fatah or whoever, made no difference. They just he felt he wanted those conversations to continue. And so the Carter Center was created to give people a safe place to have those conversations outside of the limelight. There is no press. Nobody even knows they're there. They come in, they sit, they talk, they negotiate, they leave. And we give them that space. And if they'd like someone to help moderate the discussion, we could certainly do that. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, they just want a safe place to sit and talk, they'll do that. I think that may be the only way. I really believe that. If you get politics involved in this divided country, unfortunately, this divided country, it, it can tear things apart. And I think the only way you can do it, I mean, what's your, your feeling about how we 
move forward in these situations that have a rather divided country right now. Well, that's fascinating, you should ask, uh, and to really just piggyback on to what Barry said about the importance of creating safe spaces. Uh, it's one thing that I would just like to point to our new CEO and our new vice presidents. So Paige Alexander had the misfortune of coming in as a new CEO for the Carter Center right in the depths of a pandemic, June 2020. Mm. So with that, you know, she had to look at ways to continue the work of the Carter Center. There were fewer elections being held around the globe. The public health component, uh, you know, people were sheltering in place. Things really became much smaller in terms of the general type of work that we do. However, uh, there was a really, really wonderful opportunity that our CEO seized upon, which was in 2020, Georgia was going to have to enact a law, a risk-limiting audit for the first time ever and they actually put this law in place following Stacey Abrams' very strong showing in 2018. Mm -hmm. Well, again, we're talking about having to do this in November and December of 2020 when it's a global pandemic. There mm -hmm. is no vaccine, we're all still masking, and the state has no workforce, no one who's willing to go in and be able to do this. So our CEO very wisely approached the Secretary of State's office and said to Brad Raffensperger, we're aware that this is something you have to do. We are a global organization that has basically really written the book on international standards for observation. We would like to serve in this capacity for you in this first legal instance that you have to do this, this new accounting or audit. So sure enough, they worked it out. We were negotiated as the only nonpartisan observer in the state to be able to do that work. Now, I, I go back to this idea of safe space because for us, that was a really, really wonderful pilot moment of showing, hey, you know, we have a Republican Secretary of State who has reached out to an organization that some might think is partisan because of President Carter being a Democratic president. Well, now we actually have Secretary of State Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling, who is the chief elections official in the state, who come to the Carter Center. They are invitees to our ongoing happy hours that really? our CEO instituted. And if you talk to them, I've had the chance to hear them say it from their own mouths. You know, we, they'll joke and say, well, you know, we probably shouldn't discuss politics because we likely won't agree, but we're really happy to be here in this safe space that mm. was created for us to talk about these things that are happening around elections, for us to be able to work together. So we were invited back in 2022 when the state said to Fulton County, which is where Atlanta is, our most populous county, you were a bit too slow in 2020 counting all of those votes, so now you're going to be subjected to an audit. So again, this had never happened. The state didn't have the people, the resources. Fulton County didn't either, and so they asked us to do it again. Going into 2024, we're going to be working with them again. There are other states where we're starting to build out additional democratic and electoral observation gr ground games, so like Michigan and Arizona. So. All of that said, it's it's this really wonderful opportunity that has presented itself. You know, we're the global authority with the United Nations and European Union in this space. It was Jason Carter and our CEO, Paige Alexander, who said after 2020 to President Carter in Plains, we've successfully piloted this. We can continue to expand it. And if we don't pay attention to what's happening here at home, how do we maintain our moral authority, our standing abroad, when it's very understood, you know, not just here at home, but beyond our borders, that we've got some things that we need to focus on, too. And so here we are. We're moving into that space. Well, it's more important than ever. I was just talking to you before we went on the air. 
about the fact that, my gosh, um, when you see the threats uh, to the election system and the voting system and the fentanyl-laced envelopes and that went out to um, some voting places, I would have thought that many people would be not willing to volunteer or help because the threats are pretty scary when you get to that level. And um, they, were, they were there before, but I don't know if they were ever at this level. I can't believe it's just now less than a year till we go into 2024. And I think the tensions probably are higher than ever. Um, I, I wouldn't have guessed this. Would you have guessed that, that this we'd be going through this still and in 2024, that this is going to be still happening? Nobody saw this coming. No. No one could believe that that really would be an issue. But obviously, this last situation, when you saw people threatened um, with fentanyl letters, which is, everyone knows fentanyl's so dangerous that literally being around it or touching or smelling it could kill you, you know. Um, and so when you see that, now you are still going to be the objective observers throughout now is this throughout the entire country for the elections next year so right now we're focusing on several very high priority states uh we will be involved in georgia again uh, we've already got that invitation secured we are working right now with folks in uh, with state authorities in michigan and arizona mm. to be on the ground there mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting there are a few outside bodies that we're working to partner with so for example in arizona the state bar association mm. is interested in working as observers and what's nice about that what we found particularly helpful it's illegal to have a nonpartisan observer there, and so the only folks who can come in must declare themselves. And we like the idea of the bar participating as basically a higher professional standard and, you know, an obligation under your oath to apply the law to the facts and be dispassionate. So we actually view having designated Republicans and Democrats collecting this data and reporting it back as being quite positive. So uh, these things are also happening in conjunction with other presidential centers. So. For example, in Michigan, uh, we've been working closely with the Ford Presidential Foundation and Museum. Hmm. We hosted an event there in September to actually discuss the work that we're going to be to go doing together in the state. And likewise, we've been working with the McCain Institute in Arizona. Hmm. So this idea for us, again, is you know we, we certainly understand that you know bipartisanship is the only way forward in this. Yeah, and, uh, and probably security as well. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I think that you really hit on that was important, and I would like to just circle back, is the people who are involved in these elections, it doesn't matter the state. Um, you know, Jason Carter was there in our training as we were getting ready to head out in 2020 and talked about these individuals who show up to open these polling stations at four o'clock in the morning and yeah. then they stay all the way until nine or ten in the evening. And they get abused by yelling and screaming and threats and things such as that. Dude, and, and you know again back to the fentanyl letters and you know mm -hmm. you could be simply there trying to help you know people have sometimes volunteered for decades of their lives and mm -hmm. it's because they care about the process and protecting the process they do not care about the politics. Mm -hmm. And so to the extent we're able to go forward, empower those people to uh, shine a light on the work that they're doing, it is a wonderful space for us to be able to be operating in. It's full of hope. Well, you know and I know, we all know how important voting is. And, I, you know, I, I, I shudder when I think that that can be a threat in so many levels. You know, we've been in Hawaii, we, we've been mailing in votes for, I think, probably one of the longest times. It's been 
just second thought. Never thought twice, really. And then there were all this, and it's like, wow, all of a sudden people are going, oh, I don't think we should mail in our votes last election. It's like, oh, I want to make sure I'm actually down there and I hand it to someone. Uh, there was fears that I never, ever saw before. All of a sudden it's like, oh, what could happen, you know? So there's a lot of these doubts and fears that now come up, which change even the way we vote now here and probably in other places as well. Uh, where was it they ran out of ballots? I forget where this last round of voting, one of the states had voting and they ran out of ballots. Do you remember? Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Georgia's name there because we have had issues like that in the state. It may not be the specific one that you're thinking of, mm -hmm. but in the last two elections, we've had issues for example, Barry's location, right? I mean, what was it that was going on at the local polling station? I think in 2020, they didn't have functioning electricity. And then in 2022, they had what? One one vote scanning machine oh my that gosh. was broken. No. And people were told, just come back tomorrow to vote, which of course was ridiculous <laughs> because there'd be no vote. Yeah. And they were they told, really were told that. Oh, yeah, you'll have to be here. You, you know, maybe it will be fixed in five hours. Why don't you just wait? Wow. Well, nobody can wait no. five hours. No. And so people left. Yeah. And it was all part of a scheme yeah. to sway the election. Yeah. And, and it was based more on the color of, of a voter's skin yeah. than anything else. That was the primary decision maker as to... Uh, you, you talk about people being threatened. Our elected officials have been threatened. We are in a, we're in a place. We are starved for leadership that says to its constituency, stop this. This is not democracy. This is not how America works. We don't threaten one another with death. We don't threaten their children. We don't threaten, you know, when Nancy Pelosi's husband was beaten within an inch of his life because he was Nancy Pelosi's husband. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason. It sent a shock to everyone across the board. Mm -hmm. um, when a few years ago, a, uh, a congressional softball team was out practicing and some nut came by and shot 10 different members of Congress. This is not how we see America. This is certainly not how Jimmy Carter ever envisioned America, and it needs to stop, and it can't stop without leadership. I don't think any president, except perhaps the one we all know, whose name I won't mention, ever, ever would have condoned or thought this was possible. And I, when you think of that era of when President Carter was there, I mean, this was not even on the radar. This was never a blip. This was never possible. And I, I hate to even think that you say, you know, President Carter is very sharp. To think now, it, as he is at this age, to have to see what's happened to this country, uh, it's heartbreaking to see what our country is going through. I do believe, on the other side, that the more we see people of dark forces and people who are, have evil intent, and I know probably President Carter believes this, the more we see people praying and, and, and deciding that they've got to do their part and that there always are more good people um, doing good things out there than ever. Sometimes we don't always hear or see the thousands and thousands of people who are doing really amazing things around the world and under the radar, 
not for any attention, not for any ego, but just doing it because they know it has to be done, putting their lives on the line many times, you know, that there are all those people out there. I know we don't hear enough about that, unfortunately. Um, and I think sometimes the news does get manipulated by people who know how to manipulate the news <laughs> to get the attention they want. Um, but we can't ever forget uh, the good people like President Carter and all those people out there, all those people you're going to be having as volunteers going to the voting sites that are going to be out there. We'll never know their names. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we would point also to our colleagues everywhere, right, uh, the folks who are overseas who are performing the surgeries, right? We've almost performed uh, 900, over 900,000 site-saving surgeries and distributed almost a billion doses of medication. Wow. Uh, that would not be possible, again, without the volunteers who are out there supporting us, uh, who even during the pandemic were still dedicated to these mass drug administration programs so that the elimination of river blindness is possible so that this continued eradication of guinea worm does not wane. Uh, so again, yeah, it, it is a lot about people and individuals uh, being these unsung heroes, uh, people doing all of this good. You know, we're down to six cases of guinea worm in the entire world in terms of human population. Uh, that That's huge. We're getting so close. And most so people close. don't even know. And that's the amazing thing. Your job is obviously, and yours has been in the whole organization's job, is to do these things, not for the name or the ego or the honor, but just because it's the right thing to do. That's right. It was the goal to eradicate this thing called guinea worm that goes back to the Hebrew Bible known as the fiery serpent. Really? So it's been around for all that time. There were three and a half million cases of it in 1986 when we started this campaign to eradicate and currently today, there are six cases left on the face, that's human cases on the amazing. face of the earth. Now, at, that's just part of what the Carter Center has done. Yes, we, 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 we have been a center for conflict resolution, but we have been a lot more than that. And what Mark and I do on a regular basis is, is ask people and, and groups, so what's Jimmy Carter been doing since he left the White House? And invariably, hands go up and say, oh, he builds houses one week a year, wow. just one week. The other 51 weeks at the Carter Center. And when I've asked him why he shuns visibility, he says, because it's not the goal. The goal is to eradicate this disease. It's not to get self-aggrandizement. Let's pat ourselves on the back is never the goal. So he doesn't care who takes the credit. He just wants to make sure the job gets done. And that's the same today as when he was in the White House. Those 52 hostages held by Tehran, President Reagan decided that since people thought he had something to do with their release, he accepted that gratification. I knew better. And I asked President Carter, why? Why wouldn't you have set the record straight? And he looked at me and he said, what was the goal? I said, to get the 52 out alive. He said, exactly. And did we? I said, yes. He said, then we meet the goal. Who gets credit for it is immaterial. The goal was accomplished. Mm -hmm. That by itself defines the Carter Center better than anything else. And there are so many now doing the same thing in ways we never would have heard of in the way elements of health organizations around the whole world working on 
trying to stop cancer organizations around the whole world, trying to bring about peace organizations all around the world, try to help the economic situation, which is scary, frightening situation in the world with the economic divisions of what's going on. And and I, I, I just say, God bless all those people out there who are doing this for the right reasons, doing their work that they're doing. And I don't think we ever should forget that. I mean, because it's pretty demoralizing if we were just going to take it on face value what we hear in the news. Uh, I know many people depressed about the state of the world, you know, and and so many going, what are we going to do? Look at what's going on in the news. You know, we've seen the climate change only get worse and worse and worse. We've seen the situation with the division in the country get worse and worse. We've seen more and more terrorists from our own country (laughs) attacking people. And, And yet we see that and we don't hear enough about the other side so that's why i just did want to bring that up because i know you get to see that and work with that but it's got to be heartbreaking sometimes it's got to be heartbreaking knowing there's all these people out there trying to do good behind the scenes doing amazing things behind the scenes but not getting necessarily on tv or getting recognized you know so that's why whenever i get a chance to see you um that i'm i'm so glad i can be a part of that message and and share it with people because I know there's so many wonderful things being done by the Carter Center, I'm more than we probably have time to really even go into. <laughs> Absolutely. If I may even just piggyback on the sentiments that you're sharing now, you know, there are tons of people out there doing really, really great things, and there are lots of organizations doing really good work. And one of the things that stood out to me in the last year or two uh, is a quote by President Carter. Uh, it generally is in the health context, but I think you could make it more broadly, broadly spoken, and that's there are no neglected issues, only neglected people, right? So whether it's healthcare, whether it's voting, whether it's homelessness, all of these issues come down to an apathy or almost a, a willingness to sort of look beyond these people, right? Uh, you, you'd still know the issues are there, but it's the people, right? So what we've done is try to make that center to what we say is that, you know, if we pay attention to the individuals that we want to help, that's where we can focus the energy and have the positive change. You know, you can't sit there and do it from Don't the side Don't you get tempted to have them work with social media and get more press, uh, word out through social media sometimes? Well, I'm happy to say that we have finally, finally convinced <laughs> President Carter that we need a fully staffed communications department. So Yay. we are moving in the right direction. <laughs> Good. I think it's so important. I, I mean, it really is because everyone else is using it. And if you don't, then it gets out of balance, you know. So I'm glad to hear that. And it's really nice to meet you and, and hear how enthusiastic. Um, enthusiasm is one of the wonderful keys to create any goal. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you, it's hard not to have that enthusiasm. Again, when you're there side by side with these people, these other volunteers, uh, it, it makes every day seem shorter and easier. I don't remember what most of what I learned in business school years ago, decades ago. But the one thing that stayed with me was always, always hire people who are better than you are and Mm. don't be threatened by them. Good. And that's exactly what I did. I found Mark eight years ago. I said, in eight years, I'm going to retire. I want you to take my job. This is what you're going to have to know. And quite frankly, I know he's better than I am at it, and I'm not threatened by it. I'm thrilled by it. So, yes, you'll be seeing Mark in the future. What what a huge legacy, though. Indeed. What a huge legacy. Um, I, I, I just, I am always inspired 
by your work. I, I, I would be amiss if I didn't mention all the work you do with Rotary throughout the entire country and all the wonderful things Rotary does and all the people there. I know usually you, you do talks here and other places. You go to Rotary and, and inspire them because you know they're hard workers doing things for the right reasons as well. Absolutely true. So I'm yes. glad that that's supported as well because yes. we have some wonderful people in Rotary here. And not just Rotary, Lions. And it's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Many, many, many. So uh, a big bow of gratitude. It's so nice to see you, Barry. It really is. It's Thank wonderful you, to see you. Thank you for my lovely Jimmy Carter 99 uh, cap, which I'll cherish. And uh, thank you, Mark. I hope we'll be seeing you again. Likewise. Uh, when you come back, please know that you can always call in or we can make a time. And um, if you don't have it, I'll make sure Barry gets you my contact info. Um, I'd love to continue. I've always wanted to do more radio shows from the Carter thing, so maybe on that list of things in communications you could think about um, some regular podcasts or, co or radio shows. Absolutely. I'm sure that uh, beside myself, there would be a lot of folks who'd love to share. It's so important. The work you're doing is so important, and it's, it's so selflessly and beautifully done. So, so God bless you, and thank you so much for the fantastic job you're doing around the world and the great work being done in the name of someone who's just set that foundation and the level so high. The bar is set very high. <laughs> Cindy, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to share this information with people who otherwise would never have heard about the Carter Center. Well, it's my honor. It really is truly my honor. I, I've, I feel blessed to have known you and the work you've done and to have been educated by you because <laughs> I really wasn't aware of all this stuff, and I wouldn't have been except for your you know, determination to get out there and, and share selflessly the message, which is just so, so beautiful. 